Awesome, awesome. That was a good word, Sandra. Good word concerning our offering. How's everybody today? Had a great Thanksgiving, right? Amen. Well, we, as she said, we're finishing our series today on thank God, what real Thanksgiving is and what being grateful and thankful produces in our life. It's vital that we understand it. Um, <clears throat> many of you we prayed for last Sunday and some of you that aren't, some of those aren't here today, but um, we prayed for you last Sunday. And, and if you were prayed for last Sunday, um, you really need to hear this word today and continue, and, and for everybody, but especially those who were prayed for and are believing for things in the now. Um, today, as I, as I start, I want to look at this verse of Scripture uh, in Hebrews 11.1. 1. And, um, and then I want to read this and then read some of our foundation Scriptures and then... And then bring this thing to this series to a close today but <clears throat> I would really encourage you to listen to these words you can go online and download them um, and 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 listen and meditate on the revelation that is coming out of this word that was preached uh, in this series of thanksgiving it thanksgiving and gratefulness thankfulness and gratefulness is 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 literally a weapon that you and I have at our disposal on a day-to-day -day basis to overcome wrong mindsets and attitudes and ways of thinking that the world has. And when I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about the way that peop other people think. If you don't think according to God, then you think according to the world. And the world is ruled, the world is ruled by Satan himself even though he's defeated, the world system is ruled by him. The Bible tells us that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he's the God of the system, the world. What he's the God of is the, he's the God of thinking, of a way of thinking that goes contrary to God's way of thinking. That's what we have to be delivered of, set free of. And I believe what I've shared this last month and what I'm going to give you today, I believe is the key to overcome and reprogram and reset things in your life that empower you to be able to take any situation that you find yourself in and go through it and experience the goodness of God in the midst of whatever you face. It doesn't matter. Actually, and, and, and we'll get to this in a moment, but actually there are some things in your life that have happened, all of our lives that have happened to us, experiences that we've had, that our mind tells us that they're a negative experience when actually what God wants to do is He wants to reprogram what you've been through so that He can take you from here to where He wants you to go. Because when we focus on negative experiences in our life, they sabotage us. They shut us down. They shut down the ability of God to be able to lead us and guide us. 
All year long in 2018, that's what we've talked about. We've talked about hearing the voice of God. We've talked about knowing who God is and, and being able to, to discern the difference in the voice of God and the, all the other voices in the planet. We've been talking about how the Spirit of God in us is greater than, than anything and everything else in the world and how to overcome those situations. We've talked about the power that's in the name of Jesus that's been given to us. And this month we talked very thoroughly in the month of November about how powerful that thanksgiving and an attitude of thanksgiving and putting putting words of thanksgiving to God concerning His promises, how they cause us to overcome anything that we face. But what I want to share with you is Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it says, Now, right now, faith is. And when, when faith is in operation right now, it's the substance of the things that you hope for. Not what you see right now, it's what you're hoping for. It's, it's like you have it even though you don't see it. That's what faith is when it's right now, when it's in operation. Not when it's being developed and you're learning to understand it, but when you're operating in faith, then it's, it's a, you, you act like you have it even when you don't. And that now attitude is what I was sharing with you last week when I prayed over you. That whatever you've not seen manifested, God wants you to begin to see it in your life right now. Not, not just by the end of the year, by midnight on, on December the 31st, but right now. He wants you to see it as yours now. Because, I'm telling you, your mind... What you've not seen manifest, in most cases, your mind has talked you out of the fact that it's really going to actually come to pass. And that's what our father Abraham, that's the place he had to come to in life, where he became convinced that God was able to do exactly what he had promised that he would do. That's where you and I have to come. And I'm telling you, that thankful, grateful heart as it's being developed, will produce manifestations because it will cause you to live in the now, not in the what will be when it will be. Anybody can live in, I hope it'll be someday. But God wants us to live right now. And that's what faith is. The verses of Scripture that we've looked at, <clears throat> the first one, over this whole month, the first one we've looked at is 1 Corinthians 15.57. And it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the other verse that we've been looking at is 2 Corinthians 2.14 that's real close and real similar to it. And it says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Thanks be to God who always leads us 
in triumph in Christ. And I made the point to you last week that for God to always lead you in triumph, then He's not talking about the past. He's talking about today and the future. So how, how do I develop a confidence that God will lead me triumphantly in the next thing that I face? Today, next week, next year, whatever. How, how do I get to the place where I'm confident that that is so? Because it says He always leads me in triumph. So whatever I face tomorrow, He's leading me in triumph. I'm triumphing. Why? Because I'm living right now in what His Word says, what His promise says. That's where God wants you and I to live all the time. <clears throat> so, if you're writing this down or you're taking notes or you can listen to this again and, and write these down, but, but I just want to remind you of these because this is what we've looked at um, this month. But to develop a a life of thanksgiving, to develop a life of thanksgiving, we, we find and we read this last week in Ephesians 5 and 20. And it says, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always in the midst of all things, no matter what we find ourselves in or what we face, giving thanks always is the key to developing a lifestyle. How much is always? I mean, it's, there's no room for anything else. So if I'm giving thanks to God always, I have no time to complain. If I'm giving thanks always, I have no time to complain about other people. Uh, if, if, if I'm giving thanks always, I have no time to focus on what's not happening because I'm so focused on what God has done. You say, yeah, but you know, that seems really extreme. And I mean, you know, I mean, like every minute of every day, well, try it. Try it for a week. As if you've been around here very long, as we've done different times where we've put challenges out there about, you know, you know, uh, writing things down that you complain about on a daily basis. First time I ever did that years ago, man, I, I, I was shocked. I thought, you know, I probably have a few things. But after 30 days of doing it, I realized, you know what? I don't have this down very well at all. And I had to get liberated and free of it. And I, I challenge myself on it all the time now. I take a, a challenge or two every year and take a whole week and, and challenge myself to write things down that I'm complaining about, especially about other people. And what it's done is it's made me aware of how, how that sabotages my destiny and fulfilling my destiny by focusing on negative things about other people. Actually, what God wants me to do is pray. That's why this year as, we've, as we begin to pray Ephesians 1 and 3 over ourselves and over other people as a unit, as a church, I mean, there, there, there's an expectation that's arising in people's lives in you expecting good things to happen for other people, not just yourself. It's not just about me believing for me. It's about me believing for other people and believing the best in other people even when natural circumstances tell me to believe the other. Giving thanks always. Second thing that, to me, that's vital <clears throat> is 
The giving thanks, and, and understanding this, that the giving thanks is acknowledging the greatness of God through His promises. When, when I think of a passage, greater is He that is in me than he that's in the world, that no matter who or what is in the world that's maybe has an assignment against me, the greater one lives in me. So because the greater one lives in me and I'm one with him, then I'm greater than anything that comes against me. But if you don't acknowledge that daily, multiple times every day, in the midst of every situation, and especially in the times when things aren't going well, if you don't acknowledge that, and acknowledge His greatness and His promises in the midst of what you face, then the circumstances will overtake your soul. It'll overtake your soul. Like Sandra was saying earlier about the, the, the soul, the Word of God, renewing and, and, and developing and changing the way you think. You can have a financial perspective in life according to the world, and God wants you to give you a supernatural perspective of how he sees finances in the world. Amen? But we have to renew our mind. That's why it's good when you hear people sharing things about the tithe and the offering because it opens the door and gives God access into your life in the financial world. A lot of people say, well, you know, I, I let God in my life here, but not, not financially. That's my deal. I, I take care of all that. Well, that's the problem. Amen? God's a whole lot smarter than you are in every way. The third thing is, um, is, and we've talked about this, is just constantly remembering those promises when you're in a situation where it's like getting the best of you. Because there's situations and times when things appear to be getting the best of us, and that's where we have to remember to go to the promises. Don't back off. Go to the promises. Go to them and remember them and constantly remind yourself of how great God is in the midst of what you face. Yeah, we're to acknowledge things, but we've got to remember to acknowledge how great He is. Can you say amen? <clears throat> and number four is constantly, as Sandra was sharing earlier, she was giving testimony, and then my wife was confirming things that have happened in her and Brian's life and their family and, and all that. And, you know, I don't know why sometimes we feel the need to always talk, say that, you know, when good things happen in someone's life, it doesn't mean that everything's perfect in their life. I don't know why we always think we have to say that, because there's no perfect one. But she was standing up here, and we're just using her testimony as a result of that. But, you know, anybody can stand around and say, yeah, you know, she shared that, but I know this or that or whatever. Anybody could say that about anybody. You understand what I'm saying? That's what we have to get away from. We have to constantly not pull back in sharing and acknowledging how great God has been in our life. We need to tell people testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony because what will happen is the more testimony you share with other people about how great God is, the more focused you are on the, on the next thing that's fixing to happen because God is looking for you to live right now in the now, having faith in Him. And when you're living in the now, you cannot hold back or keep yourself from living in a place of manifestation when you're living in the now. 
God created you and I to live right now. Amen? And to believe his best right now. Amen? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so today, I want to bring this kind of to a conclusion. And I want to look at... Um, Well, before I look at this, I want to read, read one of these verses. 2 Corinthians 4.15, let's look at that. Second Corinthians 4 and 15. I made, this, I made this point the other day, but I want to read this verse and, and make this point again before I read this this next passage. For all things are for your sake, that the grace, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. The Bible is very clear that but for the grace of God, you and I are nothing. I mean, the Bible actually says, and actually, you should be really bold about the fact that if it wasn't for the grace of God, your life is nothing. And be bold about that. No, no, I'm not talking about focusing on the nothing part. I'm talking about without Him and His grace and what we didn't deserve, our life is nothing. You've got to get bold about that. But the word grace and the word thanksgiving or thanks is the exact same word. And I've, I really felt like that this verse of Scripture defines what thanksgiving is. It, 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 for this verse says, For all things are for your sake... That grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. The more I understand the grace of God and that what I have is because of the grace of God, it will cause me to abound in thanksgiving. The more I realize that what I have in life is because of His grace and His mercy, the more I'll thank Him and praise Him. It's not on how good I am and how perfect I do every little thing, but it's His grace that is empowering me to become more perfect. Amen? But I promise you, if your mouth stays shut and there's no thanksgiving and there's no acknowledgement of His promises, then everything in life you will view through a distorted perception of what life is really about. Because i just tell you this right now. Life isn't about you. And I don't mean that ugly. I'm just saying life is not about you. And when you learn that and you get your focus off of you, I mean, it opens the door to things you've never seen before. Ever. And I, I, I had this passage that I found, in, it's in Matthew um, 16. And um, Matthew 16, we read all the time. And what we read in there is, is the story of where Jesus had his disciples sitting around. And he said, uh, who, do, who do people out there say that I am? <clears throat> Peter said, well, or one said, uh, that you're Elijah or one of the prophets or John the Baptist or this 
person or that. And Peter jumped up and he said, but you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And the rest of that passage goes like this. Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And on this rock, I'll build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. And whatever you bind will be bound, and whatever you loose will be loosed. And I give you the keys of the kingdom. And I mean, all the juices are flowing with Peter. I mean, he's on top. Man, I said the right thing. Man, I'm flowing in this, in, in, in this revelation in this area right here, and, and it's all amazing and good. Well, if we look in the next couple of verses, actually, just I want, I want to read 21 and 2 and 3 here. He said, from that time, from what I just, uh, I just spoke and quoted to you, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Now, did Jesus ever say anything that was what he wanted to say? Did he ever say anything that was off just the top of his head? Well, this sounds good. This sounds spiritual. I'll share this with these guys. Did Jesus ever share anything that was contrary to the will of the Father ever? He said, I didn't come to do my will on the earth. I came here to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God. And he had been telling his disciples this over and over and over again. He said, he was telling his disciples in verse 21, he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed. And be raised the third day. I don't think those disciples ever heard him say, and raised the third day. When he talked about being killed, that's all they heard. Uh, whatever about the th- third day deal. We're, we're not, Peter, Peter comes to him in this next verse. Actually, he took him aside and he rebuked him. That's not a real positive thing to do to the son of the living God, the living word, right? To rebuke him and tell him, I mean, who, Peter, who in the crud do you think you are telling him that what he's saying is not right when all he ever says is what the father says is right? So did he tell them what Father said, or did he just come up with a bunch of mumbo-jumbo? He told them exactly what Father said. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer much persecution from the scribes and the Pharisees, from the religious people of the day. And I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to be raised on the third day. And Peter pulls him aside and rebukes him. That ain't happening. Peter evidently didn't learn, right? Right? Because we get to the garden and he cuts a guy's ear off. <clears throat> he still hadn't learned. Three years in, this is probably a year and a half, two years in right here, somewhere in that time frame. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard to tell the exact time frames because this is just very small portions of what Jesus actually did in the three and a half years of ministry that he operated in. So it's kind of hard sometimes to tell, but probably a year and a half, two years in at this passage of time right here with his disciples. And Peter rebukes him. Now this is, 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Peter. Flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you. On this rock of revelation of who I am that you've gotten from the Father, I'm going to build my church on that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Peter's thinking he's pretty amazing. And when he hears this thing, as he pulls him aside and he rebukes him, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Notice notice Jesus' response right here. Jesus' response has to do with a way of thinking in Peter's mind that is all flesh. He turned and said to Peter, remember this is blessed are you Simon Barjona, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Get behind me, Satan. Was he calling Peter the devil himself? Or was he addressing Peter thinking like the God of the world? Jesus had brought whatever period of time that they had been with him, a year, year and a half, two years that they had been with him to this point. And Peter had answered correctly, just minister, however long of a period of time that was from verse 21 to back in verse 13 through 19. He answered correctly and everything was right. And now here he is. And he's rebuking the Savior of the world. He's rebuking him because his way of thinking is contrary to the will of the Father. What was Jesus looking for right here? This is what he's looking for. And this is what he's looking for from us. Sir, you're right. Rabbi, you're right. Jesus, you're right. I don't like, I don't like the thoughts of that, but... If you say that's what Father said, then I begin to thank God that it'll happen the way you say it, and it's going to happen for a purpose and a reason. It's going to come to pass. Now, you have to process that way of thinking right there because God's not going to want you to thank Him for bad things coming against your life. Because the things that came against Jesus, the way they came against Him, so you and I would be free. But what we have to process here is it's a situation where his thinking was off and God wants our thinking to be corrected and reprogrammed. What he was looking for for Peter right there was to agree with him and thank him according to the word. God wants us, you and I today, when we have anything in our life that goes contrary to His promises, for us to verbally be in a place and a position to thank Him and give Him glory, that those things are coming to pass now. When? Now. And we have to learn and develop in ourselves to to live in the now. Because if not, then the circumstances and and, and the mindset and the way of thinking that has led us into captivity from the enemy will keep us there. 
telling you praise and thanksgiving is your way out. You can praise and thank yourself out of anything in life. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I mean, <clears throat> you can wake up in the morning and feel this sinking feeling on the inside of you. You can wake up in the morning and feel like you've been run over by a Mack truck in your head. You, you can wake up and <clears throat> begin to speak the word and you feel a little bit of relief, but you don't feel real relief. But I promise you, you stay with it and you begin to thank God for His promises. That's why you've got to know the Word to acknowledge His promises. I promise you that the Word will remove that stuff. Listen, you're going to say something. Right? Oh my God, another day. You're going to say something. So let's change it and, whoa, it's a great day. This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice today and I'll be glad. I promise you, I promise you, you're going to start in your flesh. But it will take you from your flesh to a spiritual experience that you will receive from God if you'll do it every day. You can't take a break from it. You have to do it every day and all the time. God, what an amazing day. Because listen, you're going to say that or, man, I just don't even feel like getting out of bed. I'm calling in sick today. Now you're calling in and calling yourself something that Jesus delivered you of. I mean, you know, if you have sick leave with your job, work it out. Give them some kind of wording that's not going to talk about how sick you are. If you can take some sick leave, you know, that's what they call it. Just work out how you're going to verbalize that. Well, Pastor, that's not that big of a deal. Well, the more you think sick, the more sick you'll be. See, we're changing the way we think. That's what Jesus was saying to Peter right here. He said, you are mindful. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Thanksgiving causes us to go from thinking like men to thinking like God. Man, that summarizes my whole series right there. Thanksgiving causes me to think like God. Do you think, I, I, I think about it like this. Um, Fabian, come, come stand up here. Sean, come here. <clears throat> Preston, come stand right here. Give me another. Come on, Brian. Give me another. Justin. So, <clears throat> okay. So, with, with all these guys right here, do you think that, like in this church, there could be the potential of one of these guys not liking everything about the next person right here? Do you think there's some things that Brian could not, maybe not necessarily like about Justin or vice versa, or this way, or like this, or like this? Do you think there's some things? How many, I'm not looking at those guys. I'm asking you. Do you think there's some things that they might not like about somebody else? Okay. Do you think God looks at them that way? Huh. Now, see, he looks at all of us the exact same way. See, but what we'll do is, well, you know... Brian was nice over here, but Justin wasn't. So I kind of like Brian, but I don't really like Justin. That's the way men think. God doesn't think that way. 
Did you hear me? God doesn't think like that. See, so somebody else may have, you know, had an attitude. They may, uh, maybe Preston posted something on social media and someone else took an offense to it. Or uh, maybe Fabian texted someone and that text sounded a little ugly or whatever and they're thinking, well, he's all that. All of a sudden, they believe the worst about the text. I'll just tell you this. Don't ever get in a conversation that means anything with anybody over text. Everybody say, I'll, I'll do that, Pastor. Everybody say, agree? Don't ever get in a text in some serious thing because uh, the devil can take that and run with it, I mean, farther than a phone conversation ever will. I promise you. Anyway, that was just free there. But you know what I'm saying? So somebody texts something, somebody posted something, somebody did this or whatever, and all of a sudden, we get offended by something, and, and now you're thinking like men, because see, there's no offense in God. You know what I can say? God, this didn't come through for me, and I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm disappointed in you. Here's God on the throne. <laughs> He's not freaked out because I told him I'm disappointed. Anybody ever been mad at God? Just think it through for a second. You ever been mad at God? You ever been disappointed, been frustrated with God? God's never been mad at you. Not since the day Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. When he sat down, that's it. And God's never been disappointed with us, but but we are with people. Listen to me. I'm telling you. The Bible says people are not our problem. But you know what? Your problem is people. And everybody in here can take what I'm saying to you today and get better with not being moved by what people think. Honoring people believe the best. The love of God believes the best in people all the time. I don't care what they do. The love of God believes the best. And when somebody's bothering you, what's the best way to get over it? I've been teaching you the best way to get over it is to thank God for his promises. Lord, that, that, that thing is bothering me. I'm mad. I mean, I am mad. But your word says this. And I just rejoice right now. I thank you for that person, Lord. It, whatever there is that's there, if it's real, if it's true. You know, you know the other thing? The other thing that's beneficial about thanksgiving is that when I begin to thank God, my ears and my eyes, my understanding gets opened up and clear where God will show me what the real truth is. You know, nine times out of ten, what you think someone feels about you, it's not really true. Maybe a little bit, but it's not really true. Not really true. The enemy's taken some little thing, maybe from a text, maybe from you were walking out the door one day and somebody didn't shake your hand or they walked right by you. Well, that's it. That, that is it. I mean, I will never. Can you, could you imagine somebody doing something like that? Thank you, guys. Give them a big hand. I don't, I don't know why, but I just thought that sounded good. But, um, I mean, can you imagine somebody doing that? They just totally, you know, the truth is, see, if, you're, if your understanding's open, the Holy Spirit will show you, you know what? They were thinking about something else. And they didn't even notice you. You're not that important. I mean, you know what? In God you are. But do you know? I mean, 
I mean, we're, we're just talking real stuff. Because what I'm talking about is getting out of the mindset that Peter had and into the mindset that Jesus had. You know that nobody is obligated, nobody on the planet is obligated, nobody is obligated in your life to be nice to you. You know that? Nobody is obligated to be nice to you. They don't have to be nice to you. But if I'm talking about me, I have to be kind to everybody. But nobody else is obligated to be kind to me. Nobody is. And if I'm waiting around for someone to treat me right, to treat them right, I mean, hell will not freeze over. But you'll be waiting till it does because it's not going to happen. And then you'll live your life disrupted where your mindset is in the wrong place. We want to be mindful of the things of God. That Ephesians 5.20, can you put that on, on the screen for me? That Ephesians 5.20, to me, is the key. It's the key to the whole thing. Giving thanks always for all things. As I look that up, that word things there is giving thanks always for all situations. One of the words is situations or circumstances. So giving thanks always for in the midst of everything that I face to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. When I understand that authority and I understand what I can do with my mouth to change things, why would I want to do anything else? Well, you have to get to the place where you want to. Because when you've been programmed to see people as the enemy, it doesn't just leave you overnight. I can just tell you that right now. You have to practice. And sometimes you have to practice one person at a time because isn't it amazing how we can be deceived to think that there's 20 people you have issues with and there's one component that's the same in all 20 issues and it's you? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else, none of the other 20 are in, in those things. It's just you and that one and you and this one and you and that one and you and you and you and it's you, right? And the only way you can change is for you to develop a lifestyle and an attitude of thanksgiving every minute of every day. And when you do that, this last verse I have is what you get delivered of. And then I'm through. James chapter 4 and verse 6. James 4 and 6. <clears throat> Remember the verse that we read just a minute ago in 2 Corinthians 4 and 15. And that the overwhelming grace that has been administered in our lives, as we allow that to become revelation in us. And the word revelation means where we, where we cause that to become real to us. When we see that God's grace, and how is grace defined? 
One of the definitions of grace is his unmerited favor. In other words, his favor that doesn't belong to us, but it's ours because of Jesus. Okay? So if it's mine because of Jesus, then it's mine. Another definition of the word grace is his overwhelming power and ability to work on my behalf. So that 2 Corinthians 4.15, can you you give me that real quick, 2 Corinthians 4.15, just so we can read that one more time. All things are for your sake, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. As, as, as grace is spread to all of us and we realize that but for the grace of God we're nothing but because of him we're everything that he says we are and that's why we can remind him and put him in remembrance of his promises then it causes more and more and more thanksgiving. In other words, I'm thanking him from triumph to triumph not from hellacious situation to hellacious situation. It's triumph to triumph when I'm giving thanks. So in this James 4, 6, it says this. But he gives more grace. One translation says greater grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud... But he gives grace and more grace to those who humble themselves under his mighty hand. Now you may have heard this. We've read this many, many times through the years. And we've read this passage of scripture. But I'm giving it a little bit different twist based on our definitions of what grace and thanksgiving are. He gives more grace when? The more revelation of grace I get, the more... Thankful I become, and the more grace is imparted, and the more thankful I become, and the more grace is imparted. When I say grace is imparted, the grace of God is that it is. But the revelation of grace, the grace becoming real to me, is a a progressive flow that I have to get in the middle of and allow it to become a part of me. But what's interconnected with that is the exact same word of being thankful. So the more thankful I am, the more revelation of grace. And he said here, God resists the proud. I don't want to be proud. I don't want to be proud. I don't want to be proud. But he gives great grace. To those who humble themselves. And what I'm telling you today is this. For you to take what I've preached this month and put it to work is to humble yourself under God's way of doing something. And when you humble yourself and you begin to thank him for his promises when you'd like to just be flat out ugly and mean and rude. And you begin to thank him for his promises and you begin to pray for those who maybe it appears like they're coming against you or whatever. And maybe that whole situation is a result. It started five years ago and it was because of a text. Listen, the devil can take a text and turn it into World War III. 
where it seems like it's World War III in your attitude with people. Years ago, I'm just going to tell this story, and, and I'll end with this. Years ago, this was probably in the 90s when Debbie was married. 2000? Somewhere around there. Asa had to be about 18 years ago. Yeah, something like that. 17, 18 years ago, my sister was being married. She was getting married in Dallas. I still had some real attitude toward my family, to a lot of my family members. Long story short, those attitudes all were the result of mindsets from before I was saved. Came into the kingdom of God, began to renew my mind with the word. But where it came to family members, because of things that had happened, what I had built up in my mind is that my life growing up was worse than it was. I had that built up in my mind. And because of that, I just stayed away from everybody. They didn't invite me most of the time to family reunions. I found out about one and slid in. But most of the time they didn't invite me because they didn't like me. And they didn't like me because I didn't like them. And yet I had gotten born again, and none of my family that I knew of were born again at the time when I got born again. I got born again, but it didn't change my attitude towards my family. My thinking was still like men. It was still like before I was saved. And as God began to deal with me when I was going to this wedding, a number of little things happened. I got really mad. I was ugly in front of my children. They were little and attitudes and all these things that, that I was going on because I didn't want to go be around my family. And God got a hold of me that weekend. And what happened that weekend is I went around to every family member. They, were, they happened to all, I was thinking, surely some of them won't show up, but they did. But they were all there. And I had to go to every one of them and repent to them. And most of them looked at me like, right. But it wasn't about them. It was about me. And I had to go to repent to every one of them. And for the last 18 years, I've slowly developed relationships with all my family members. I'm talking about my extended family members, even brothers and sisters, everybody. And I've developed those relationships. And along the way, I've had to, I've had to attack mindsets that want to keep telling me I'm not going to change this because of them. And all along the way, what's got me through it is, Father, I thank you. Lord, I just thank you for my brother. I thank you for my uncle. I thank you for this person, that person, whoever it is, all these different people. Father, I just thank you for them. I pray for them all every day. And my love for them today, 18 years later, is like no other. I didn't know I could love all these people that way. Do I like everything that they do? Absolutely not. But I love them inside of me because the power of thanksgiving has delivered me from what Peter struggled with. Man's way versus God's way. And Jesus rebuked him. And Jesus resists the proud. But he gives grace to those that will do it his way. And not just grace, but great grace.
What does that mean? Great favor, great power, great ability, all of heaven coming on my behalf, your behalf, because we humble ourselves and we choose to do it God's way. I know that I know that I talk a lot in this church about relationships with other people, about attitudes toward other people. And you know, there's more to life than that. I know that. But there's something about the way we treat other people that is, is so much in the, in the heart of God. And, and you, you, have to, you can't be discerning of other people until you learn to love people. You can't be discerning of them because you're always going to think the worst. And I have. I know. I'm telling you. I've done it. You think the worst of people. You think that people have, they have your worst interest at heart when all of, most of the time what I find out is when you pull the curtains back, it's a misunderstanding and something being misconstrued by the enemy over one little thing that happened. And we let that thing blow up and explode. And you know where that comes from? That comes from your first birth. That comes from your first birth lineage, not your second birth. Your second birth freed you from all that. But first birth keeps telling you to think like a man. Think like a human. Think like the God of this world. Say this after me. Not in my world. In my world, I'm not thinking like the devil's world. My world, I'm thinking like God. And I'm thinking that way by thanking him daily of every promise in his word. Can you shout amen? Remember, those of you that I prayed for, that we spoke over last week, today is the day to live like it's now. What you're standing for, what you've been believing for all week long, I've been rejoicing and praying over each one of you, thanking God for your life, thanking God for what he's accomplishing in you. And I'm just encouraging you today to thank him like it's now, like it's happened now for you. Amen.